We are so glad you joined us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. We uh, we jump into one that um, in, in a lot of churches is kind of uh, understood but never taught. It's one that is... It's almost one that... It's almost one that we make like we make you feel bad if you don't do this. Sharing your faith, you constantly feel not a conviction but a condemnation aspect because a lot of teaching on sharing your faith comes off negative. Like, well, you're just supposed to do that. It's like, but nobody's equipping me because then I don't know what to do. <laughs> and and one of the things that uh, as a church we want you to be able to do is just be confident. And who God says you are. There's not one way to share the gospel. There's the way God's equipped you to share the gospel. Um, there, there's not a cookie cutter mold that really uh, comes out of this or not. So I, I want to say this on the front end. Uh, whether we realize it or not, every time we open our mouths, we're sharing a gospel. Amen. And so if we'll, start, if we'll start recognizing that to begin with, Every word that we say is sharing a gospel. Now the question becomes, are we sharing the gospel or are we sharing some, some other thing? We Look, I, I know, I, I used to be one of those guys that could keep up with every sports statistic there was and could spit it out and spit it out, basketball, football, the whole nine yards. And I started realizing, like, I know more about this than I knew about my own faith. So we're going to be sharing what we know. We're going to be sharing what's important to us. We're going to be sharing uh, something. And the question just becomes, are we going to start shifting those conversations, whatever they may be, to take advantage of an opportunity to share a portion of the gospel? Now, a lot of us think that that means that we need to go into Walmart, and every time we go to Walmart, we need to tell everybody in Walmart about Jesus, and we need to, uh, we need to make sure they respond while they're picking out their apples. And it's not always that way. Now, I'm not telling you it won't be that way, but it's not always that way. Because we find out very quickly that a lot of this has to do more with relationship. It's more about relationship than it is anything else. And so, uh, as we look at the topic of sharing our faith today, I want to take you to Colossians chapter 4. Um, not usually a place where we talk about sharing our faith, but I think it is probably one of the most comprehensive uh, passages in scripture that give us a road map to how we can not only start to share our faith but be successful in sharing our faith because there are things that many of us miss in this and so uh, today is going to be different usually you hear me reference a lot of different passages we're going to stay right here today uh, I may supplement some things with some words of Jesus and some other places but we're just going to kind of dissect these verses from Colossians chapter 4 so I want to read it in its entirety it says this, starting in verse 2. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, he says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So in the middle of this passage, 
there's a, a key statement that Paul makes to the church. And in that statement, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. This translation says making the best of our time. But when you read other translations, it's telling us to make the most of every opportunity, I think is even how the NIV puts it word for word. And so what we realize in this is, is that a lot of us are missing opportunities because we're not trying to make the most of the opportunity. And, and I think that what Paul's saying right before this gives us a road map about how we can stop missing the opportunity and start being effective in how we share the gospel with people. And so the first thing that Paul points out in this passage is found in verse 2. We have got to start every single day in prayer. Amen. So that's the first thing we've got to do. Start every day with prayer. Now I'm not talking about the bless my family, help me get through this day prayer. We've got to get to a point where our prayer becomes a, a, another outpouring of praise. Because if you think that coming in here on Sunday morning is going to be the best place for you to pour out your praise like we just sang about, it's not. It's in everyday moments and it starts at the beginning of your day. Now I used to be one, and I'm not old by any stretch, but I'm getting a little older and I used to be one, well as long as you're having a quiet time it doesn't matter, you can do it at night. No, you need to start your day with prayer. You need to start your day in God's Word because how you start your day is what's going to have the progression and the attention of your day. And so if you're not starting your day every single day with prayer, stop thinking that we can draw from a well anywhere else but from God and be filled. One of the biggest mistakes that we make is thinking that we can come in on Sunday, get a fill, and go back out the rest of the week and just make it till next Sunday. It's completely incompatible with Scripture. This is an everyday affair that you have to engage in. And so in order for people to be changed by the gospel that you're living, you have to start every single day asking God to erase yesterday, praise Him in the moment, and ask Him for new opportunity. And so Paul says it, and I'm going I'm to go back to it, Colossians 4.2. He says, in the NIV it actually says, devote yourselves to prayer. And when you're devoting, be watchful and thankful. Pay attention, but give thanksgiving. Because in the moments of prayer, de devotion is not just starting the day. It's in a continual conversation with God every day. Lord, I'm walking into Walmart to buy some groceries, but what do you have me here for? I know I'm just pumping gas so I can get home, but Lord, why am I at this gas pump right now? If we start thinking in different terms spiritually, we start seeing and reaping different results spiritually. And so Paul tells the church, he tells us, devote yourselves to prayer. Jesus actually echoed this in John 14, 14. He says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We like that verse. Because we leave out everything that was right before that, and it devoid of anything. We can just ask for things and God will give them to us. How I many times have you even heard? You've heard that verse. I know you have. You've had people that have stood in front of you on stages and in different places and say, just ask Him for it. And if you ask it in His name, He's going to give it to you. It's not how it works. If you go back and you read what's going on there, there is a constant flow of relational power that takes place. Because the, because the Son was in the Father and the Holy Spirit points to the Son who points to the Father. And so there, there's this whole connection 
of interrelational connectivity with the Son through the power of the Spirit, that if we'll stay there, then we'll start asking for the right things. And then when we ask, it says that Jesus told us that then we'll start seeing Him do things that we ask for in His name. In, in Luke's account in Luke 18, right after all this, Luke 18 talks about the persistent widow. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, but the persistent widow keeps going back to the judge for justice. Keeps going back to the judge for justice. And it says that the judge was neither a righteous man or had any care for men at all. He didn't give a credence to God or to man. And so there's no righteousness in this man. And she keeps going back. And because she keeps persisting, he finally grants her what she wants. And what we've taught is that if we'll just keep going back and pestering, like we, I, we were joking about this this week, and I'm going to tell you this story. Um, uh, Travis Green was at the, uh, the, the conference that we were at, Bethany Conference down in Baton Rouge this week. And let me put a disclaimer on the front of this. I love Travis Green, okay? Excellent worship leader. But when we got done, I joked. I said, we heard all 12 of Travis Green's songs, and I know all 21 words of them now. <laughs> because it was just repetitive. And one of them is, the, and, and, and there's a place for that. Like I was, I was joking about, because he, he did. He's, it's repetitive. It's, it's valuable, but it's repetitive. But that one of the songs, you know the song, I'm going to get it stuck in your head because it's been stuck in our head. This is how I fight my battles. You know the song. You know how I know you know the song? Because I just told you the song. This is how I fight my He repeats that. And then, it's, and then the only other line in that song is, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And he just repeats that. And I jokingly said, but this is what we do. This is what we think from the persistent widow. If we'll just keep saying, this is how I fight my battles, eventually the devil's going to get sick of hearing that, and he's just going to leave us alone. Because the devil's doing the same thing we are. How, how do you fight your battles? This is how I fight my battle. This is how, and just over and over again. And that, that's, that's kind of our re bug repellent. But that's not what the, the issue with the persistent widow was. It, it had nothing to do with that. It points so much more to the justice and mercy aspect than it does just about the persistence. And so we have to make sure that we're fighting the right battles with the right weapons, which we talked about last week. And in order for us to be effective in sharing our faith, we have to be people that are devoted to prayer. You've got to be devoted to prayer. The second thing is this. You've got to consider your ways around unbelievers. You have to consider your ways around unbelievers. Uh, I'm going to put it like Paul put it in Colossians 4. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Now, we don't like terminology like this because it puts a divide between us and them. There is clearly a divide between us and them. Jesus is that divide, but he's not a divide, he's a bridge. Some of us have just crossed that bridge. And so you've got to know where you stand and you've got to say, I know which team I'm on, so that when we do interact with other people, you can absolutely know if they're believers or not, by their speech, by their actions. And if you're claiming to be a believer and nobody knows by your speech or your actions, you need to question. I'm just telling you, you can't be something that you're not being on a regular basis. That's a battle that we fight. But he says, be wise in the way that you act. And if you go over to Ephesians, this will be where we kind of trail off just a little bit. Paul lays out beautifully in Ephesians. He actually says this in chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. So when he tells the church in Colossae about being wise and and 
and how you walk around unbelievers or outsiders, he expounds upon that in Ephesians. He says, making the best use of the time. There's that opportunity again. Don't miss the opportunity because the days are evil. People are wrapped up in this stuff. So what, what does it mean to be wise? Well, here's what Paul lays out in Ephesians 4 that we can take about how we're supposed to be around outsiders. The wise do three things. They know three things. They know where they came from. If you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you know what you've been saved from. You know who saved you from it. And you know what you've been saved to. Because it's not being just saved from something, but being saved to something. And, and let me show you what it looks like in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 17 through 22, you'll have, I think, verses 21 and 22 in your notes. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. There's a clear divide between the two branches of people. He says they have, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ in verse 20. And then in verse 21 he says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Paul's telling them you need to know where you came from. You need to know that there are people that were where you came from but you're not one of them anymore. And you got to understand that some of the things that you walked through were of your, your accord, your decision because the devil didn't make you do anything. And you need to understand that there is now something that you've been saved from. He continues in verses 23 and 24. He says, And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And where do we see this example? We see it only in Jesus. So we not only know where we came from, we know who saved us from it. And we know what now we're supposed to do because we've been saved from something. We're being saved to something. And he concludes this, this discourse and says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, you're not that anymore. You've been saved. Now it's time to move forward. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You have not only been saved from something by somebody, but you've been saved to something else. It's a new kingdom. Because we are now members one to another of this new kingdom. And we are supposed to be speaking the truth into, it says, his neighbor, our neighbor. And that's what I want to conclude today with. We have to speak the truth gracefully. There are a lot of us that like to speak the truth. And we're called to do it. And there are a lot of us that just like to speak grace. And we're called to do it. But if you don't put them together, the gospel has been missed. Because the truth of the gospel is going to change people. It's going to divide. It's going to separate. It's going to sift. It's going to cause people to seriously look at their current situation and examine whether or not they're where they're supposed to be. It's not for us to decide whether or not we're going to speak the way the gospel tells us to speak. And this is how Paul concludes that, that section in Colossians 4 in verse 6. He says, 
let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, full of grace and seasoned with salt, I, I think a lot of us, I always get that salty. It just gets stuck in my head now. Oh, they're being salty. And it's kind of like a, an attitude thing nowadays. You know, you, you notice in culture it means something different all the time. You know what I mean? Like we see the scriptures teach about salt because it, the, the gospels even tell us that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And so I think most of us would think that we make things taste better. But I don't think that's what Paul means in this passage. Because salt meant something different to the audience that it's being taught to. And so we have to be careful that when we see seasoned with salt, that's a lot of us like to just like, some of us have, 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 a, have some really bad sodium intake because we like to put salt on everything. Now, you, you know how it works. You, you sit down at the table, and uh, my grandmother used to tell me this. Uh, I don't even know if y'all know that she ever told me this. I don't remember what it was for. And she was telling me, it was when I was getting ready to go into ministry, and she told me about, uh, a pastor or a youth minister or somebody that went in for an interview and he, he failed in the interview because before he ever tasted his food, he poured salt on it. And she said, don't ever pour salt on your food before you taste it. And I said, what? And I've, I've remembered that. But what we do is, is either we don't salt it at all and we taste it, we're like, oh, this is bad. And we just we suck it up and eat it. Or we dump too much on it and the price has been paid either way. I, I've always remembered that. But when Paul says this, and, and, and this is intentionally a short message today. But when Paul says this, I got hung up on that season with salt. And so as I started studying salt in the scriptures, salt means something different to even a biblical culture. And so when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, he's not saying that you've come to spread a message. It's got nothing to do with a message. It's got nothing to do with making things taste better. Uh, this is actually talking about a preservative effect. And so you know that if you put salt on meat and pack it, you can preserve it longer. Now what I didn't know until I really got into this was if you go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system, they salted every sacrifice. And so it's not only about preserving the sacrifice, it's also now connected to the covenantal bond between us and the Lord. And so when he says season with salt, this is what he's actually telling us. When we share the gospel, this is one thing that we are so notorious for. You're making a bonding commitment to the individual that you're speaking to. Because there's not a place in scripture that doesn't teach us that we are disciple makers. We're not gospel sharers. And so the most important thing that we get out of this is, is I'm not telling you not to go share the gospel. What I am telling you is, is that you now have an obligation to the people that you share with to see it through. Amen. That's what season with salt means. Not just that we say it right and, and, it's, and it, it's palatable for the individual. It's a command. Let your conversation be always full of grace, season with salt. So when you speak, you need to realize that the individual that you're speaking to even if it's a stranger in Walmart, you better be willing to take the next step. Because here's what's happening. You've got a generation of people that are salty. They like to go out and they like to share the gospel and it's great, but they never give anybody an opportunity to see the next step. So it's only about obedience. It's not about discipleship. And we leave people hanging and they never connect to a body. And that's not what God's intent has ever been for us sharing the gospel. You cannot be disjointed and be effective. 
You can't, you can't go out, share the gospel, and then have somebody say, I, I believe, I repent, I follow Jesus in Walmart. And then you say, that's great. You've got to help them take the next step. What's the next step? They need to be baptized. It's not just something that we do. It's spiritually significant. When they're baptized, they need to be connected to a body. Now, I'm partial to a particular local body. I mean, you know, I kind of like you guys. I'm, I'm kind of partial. So it's okay to invite people into the life of the church. You're not just inviting them to hear somebody preach to them. You're inviting a connection because there is there are members that are running around that the gospel has been shared to that are disjointed and you see like the Adams family where hands are walking around the ground by themselves out of place because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because they have no body to connect to. Now, I am partial, but there are a lot of good bodies of believers in different areas. Get people connected. Don't stop with just sharing the gospel. So a lot of times, it's not that we're not doing what we're supposed to do by sharing the gospel. It's that God's not going to give us the opportunity because we don't understand what's really taking place. God doesn't want people sharing the gospel and never giving anybody connection. If we just do that, then we've got a whole bunch of dismemberment and a whole bunch of people that are just running around. And so when Paul mixes this with the audience, when he starts talking about seasoned with salt, all the Jews know what he's talking about. Every, every Jewish believer that are in that community knows. And you know that they've already, because at, before conversion, what were the Jewish people trying to do? The arguments were not, not just in this church, but in Corinthians. Circumcision versus uncircumcision. So that you know that the Jewish believers are teaching them, the Gentile believers, about all of the sacrificial systems and all this stuff. So when he speaks this, everybody knew what he was talking about. He says, it's so important that you recognize that you've got you as an individual have to be devoted to prayer. You as an individual, you've got to make the most of every opportunity. You got to, you've got to have the right spirit about you when you're in the midst of unbelievers. You as an individual need to speak the truth gracefully, seasoned with salt, so that you make the connection in somebody's life. And if we'll commit ourselves to do that, it's not a church growth strategy. I don't know if you look around and notice, we're not, we're not really concerned about church growth. We're concerned about kingdom building. We, we, we could market and do all kinds of crazy stuff and have a big crowd of people, but it's meaningless if people are not changing. If we keep doing the same thing that we've been doing over and over again in our life, then nothing's changing in us. And in all honesty, we need to reevaluate from all over the place. What are we doing that's not what God wants us to do? We want to build God's kingdom. We want to do it as a body of believers that connect together. I loved a couple weeks ago being out at the Iron Horse Music Festival. It was hot, but we had a chance to connect with a lot of people. And you would think, you, you know, I even, I even remember myself thinking before that, I was like, why are we going to hand out fans? This is so stupid. Like, I thought that. But I was like, you know what? It is hot as hell out here. I mean, I'm just being honest. It's hot. Like, I know if it's hot here, hell's going to be worse. And if I hand somebody a fan and a conversation can take place, we can encourage, we can connect with, we can continue to encourage, even if they never sit in one of these chairs, we've built the kingdom. And that's what we're supposed to be about. So as individuals, as we consider what it means to share our faith, we need to recognize that we've got to put ourselves in a position where God can use us 
We've got to put ourselves in a position where we're ready to disciple people, not, not leave them out there, not hand them off. Like I, I still believe with all of my heart that it's a culture that we've created in the church, the us versus them in the church, where the pastors and the youth ministers, they're the ones that do the ministering, and we just come sit and be ministered to. That's only a small part. It's only a small part. If we don't all do what we've been called to do, the body never functions properly. And so that's what Jesus is trying to accomplish in each and every one of our lives. So don't miss the opportunities that He puts in front of you to share the gospel. And when you have to, use your words. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, would like to connect with a pastor, or would like to support the ministry of Radiance, you can easily do so on our website at radiancemacomb.com. We hope you have a blessed week.